0: Welcome to the Inspirational Insights Podcast. My name is Donna Jones. and Today we're talking about recovering from the trauma of sudden loss of certainty, i.e. what happens when COVID comes in. A global pandemic gets your attention when life just sort of gets suspended and abruptly like all familiar patterns are gone. On the front line, healthcare in all countries is being tested. First responders and frontline workers are taking on full risk In the end, there's going to be a a, shock and trauma to recover from, and I'm really delighted that today I have with me uh, Terry Earthwin-Nichols, who has developed a way to restore functionality and to recover. Actually, he's got developed a lot of things, so we're, we're going to try and touch on that. Terry's the founder of the Evolutionary Healer, and because he has an Aboriginal background, we get to add another rich dimension to our conversation, because that perspective has some deeper, deeper roots in in working with uh, with trauma. So Terry, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Donna. I'm very pleased to be here.
0: What's trauma? I mean, we we think we understand it because if you if you have a car accident, clearly you, there's a trauma there. But what is it in the context of the situation of losing the future and and losing uh, certainty?
1: Trauma can be a cut on your finger from a paper cut or. Uh, surviving an auto accident, or just being in a mental state that precludes you from thinking about the future, can be huge and very controlling. And so, looking at trauma from various ways through behavioral sciences has has uh, uh, gained a lot of information over the over the centuries. What we do is different.
0: It works quite well. Perhaps you can just talk about what is the unique aspect of what it is you're doing when you're working with um, either physiological or, or spiritual trauma.
1: You know, current psychological modalities and, and practices come in from the prefrontal cortex of the front of the brain and moves back to known memories and, and through repetitive treatments and, and counseling and therapy, et cetera, the known memory is pretty well beat down and neutralized. We use the five senses to help us with trauma. And when you're working with the senses, you're working in the back of the brain down in the reptilian brain near the uh, brainstem. And so we literally come in the back door, we come in from the back way, and we do it in such a way as we have a person go to a memory, and it's not a good memory, it's not a bad memory, it's just a memory. We don't even work with the ones that, that, that are making them suffer. We don't work with those memories at all. They get neutralized later, and I'll explain why. But we go to a memory, and we have the client freeze-frame the memory into a photograph. There's key. If there's no motion in the memory, no history there or anything like that going on, there's no emotion in the memory. So the person is perfectly calm. In this case, their their eyes are closed. We don't want them looking around and paying attention to a spider on the wall behind the computer screen or something like that. We want them completely calm. When they describe the memory using their five senses, they're taking an inventory of what their five senses are telling them in that memory, in that time, in that place. And we as the practitioners, if we were sitting beside him or laying beside him, whatever that case may be, what would we be expecting to hear, taste, smell, touch, those types of things? And if there's any differences in there, we get to ask ourselves why those differences appear. Like sitting on the end of a dock on a lake and you smell popcorn. Maybe if the lake's near a carnival, but if there's not, it's a, it's a lake home out on a lake in northern Minnesota, why is popcorn there? And so different things like that tell us different things about where we're going to go when we get through a third memory. And so when the person is completely out of, out of emotion and fully conscious. There's no hypnosis or anything like that. No music playing. It's all calm and quiet. And when we get through with a third memory, that person has entered the back door, like we, I mentioned earlier, of an amnesic memory that occurred in early childhood that they had no previous recollection of. But now it is so crystal clear. It's like they're in the memory. And... The person or persons that created that emotional event are there too. And so because they're out of emotion, they have no fear of those people. They just, you know, they're, okay, who's these people? This person usually, but there can be people. Amnesia is a protection device of the brain. It protects the neural pathway that you set when you made the memory way back when, and it blocks it. Okay, so we call it the active block. Its job is not let you back there anymore. It's, not, it's broken. There's no disease or anything. That's its job, protection. So now we've come in through the back door where it's not being, the memory is not being protected and we release all the emotion that's attached to that memory. Well, here's the key on this, Donna, is when you release the emotion of that amnesic memory, it's no longer amnesic. And it no longer drives the repetitive thoughts that, that you suffer from in your current life. That could be PTSD events, self-sabotage, repeating behaviors of various kinds. So later on, when you remember that memory, it has no emotional value. The highly emotional memories that, that kept playing in your mind over and over and over again, no longer play over and over and over again. And they don't have the emotional grab that they would otherwise it is a, it's an amazing process
0: what you're saying then is it it, it it removes the triggers that are embedded physiologically in the in the in the, in the you know and emotionally in the uh, in the body or the brain as it were but because you're working with your senses that's that's a body thing that's a semantic you know whole system yes. thing
1: yes and let's say a few months later your mind is trying to reset you Okay, it's going to let you play in this new way of of being present for a while. And then it's going to say, Terry, you're not normal. You're not like you've been all your life, but that's okay. I'm going to give you a new memory to trigger on Uh, because that's what it considers normal. It's not trying to hurt you. It's just trying to get you back to what you have always vibrated at. That, That has been your life. And for many people, if that original event happened at six months or a year old, you have no clue who that person is until you meet him the first time. So a few months later, you may smell something or see something or anything like that, and all of a sudden you go into a trigger and you don't know why. Well, we teach to ask three questions. Which of my five senses just went off? Because we work with the five senses. Which one of them just went off? Give me a memory, brain of something associated with that sense and boom you're in a new memory now here's the key show me the face of the person who's causing this stress and you see the face and you do this neutralization and and your brain goes
0: oh okay terry you're fine
1: you're out of your trigger in three to five seconds it's amazing
0: sounds like it's something that's going to be very much needed for helping these frontline workers recover from what they've seen and experienced and and just you know just how 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 they've been supported or not you know the positions that some of them have had to be put in is just absurd.
1: PTSD, companion fatigue, which is PTSD of the companion supporter, and and suicide ideation is on the rise in
0: this country and worldwide. Uh, you're in After, the United States. So let's just be clear about that because this come this program runs worldwide. So you are in the U.S. Correct. Yeah.
1: Correct. And and I am in the U.S. and. I believe that it's it, it's going to be epidemic proportions after this pandemic because of the massive stress across the board. This is not like World War II or something like that where there's a clear victory in this and the guns go back in the closet. It's much more severe. It's going to be three different types of epidemics here in the future. And the CR process, that's what we're talking about right now, is set to play a significant role in reducing and, and neutralizing the effects of that,
0: in, yeah, because in, essentially you can have this spread into the psyche of the of the country if it's not handled.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, we take that away,
0: and you take it away easily and at the root, because a lot of times if you try and approach these things right. psychologically, you just—I mean, it's it's only one level; it's not covering the, you know, the deeper levels at all. So,
1: behaviorists—they're doing their job. They're
0: doing what they feel is right. It's not wrong. No, it's we limited. just have a different way. It's, and it's limited. I mean, from my observation and experience, yes. it's quite limited. It only gets you so far, but it won't. Uh, it won't remove those triggers. I mean, if they if it did, a no. lot of the the vets that have been coming back in the U.S. at least uh, wouldn't find themselves dealing with persistent triggers. Correct. I agree. So through the lens of indigenous traditions, which I you know you've got the the, the uh, opportunity to draw on, how is that that worldview d- different? in terms of how trauma is viewed or in terms of how we heal. If there are any principles that we can look at that are relevant to how we work with, um, with the, you know, the during COVID-19 or the post COVID-19 situation.
1: Well, from a spiritual or indigenous standpoint, you know, the teachings are to go deep, go within, seek counsel from an elder or, or a group of elders uh, and, and hold various ceremonies to align the spirit with the conscious world, and you know that's not heresy. I mean you can, there's Catholics doing these ceremonies just as well as, as Hindus and everybody else. So the preface is is to go deep. Once you go deep and you can love yourself unconditionally in there, then what's going on in the outer world is easier to hold on to and make corrections with easier. The problem with a lot of indigenous areas is, is, is substance abuse, indigenous people in mainstream society trying to fit in and the stresses that that deal with that. And a lot of times they forget that, you know, it's not a bad idea to go seek out somebody to talk to, maybe in a sweat lodge or anything like that, because uh, it's not like woo-woo or anything like that. It <laughs> is a practice of, of being connected to yourself and the earth and everything around you. Okay. So yoga does that. you know. Um, there, there are Christian leaders and everyone else who practice yoga and things like that, breathing techniques. Well, it's no different. It's, it's a way of getting you back to center or, or deep in yourself because if you're at that point of soul, that center part of you, everything starts to make sense. And then you can come out of it and, and it's much easier to deal with it.
0: Particularly now, well, if we look at the lead up to COVID, everybody's in deep ruts of routine patterns where you get up, you do certain things, you go to work, you come home, you do certain things. It's it's it almost a hypnotic state in, in a certain way. And in the course of that, a lot of people lose contact with who they are. In fact, I've got the book, Your Lost Connection by Johan Hari, which talks about the source of depression and anxiety as being very much a disconnection from self, from value, meaningful values, from meaningful work, from, you know, nine layers of of possible disconnect. So one thing that I I value about this interruption and, and the absolute, the opportunity for people to get together is that pause, you know, that pause button sort of allows us to go, okay, you know, rethink, you know, who am I? And what's my place in the world? And what do I really want to be doing? And so it seems that, that that's essentially what we look at the the value of, of indigenous traditions, universal indigenous traditions. It would be that place to to, to recenter. Not, not that they have to in, in the very more pure sense of it, but it, needs, it is now a practice that's required because there's just so much noise in the social environment.
1: Yes, I would agree
0: with that. Terry, can you tell us what your tradition is? uh, But also, how did you become an evolutionary healer? I mean, that's the brand you use. Was there an epiphany, a pivotal event? What happened?
1: I was raised uh, to believe I was a fourth generation Irish-American white boy until I was 46 years old. Then I found out I was Native American, and my world changed a lot. The company Evolutionary Healer comes from the, the definition of evolutionary eve of illumination and healer to end the old and heal the future. And so that's what we do. We we coach, uh, we're transformation coaches and, and mentors for the health and wellness population mostly, although small businesses as a whole are seeking us out even more. We've expanded in teaching and certifying people who've been through the CR process that we've been talking about so that they can go practice it on others. And that's on five continents, 12, uh, 13 countries now. It's available in seven languages. So it's very expanded. The epiphany was all my life, I felt like my life was missing something. Don't know what, and never did know what. And all of a sudden, when my brother, now deceased, called me on the phone and told me about a secret that, my, my grandparents and my parents had, keeping the, the knowledge that we're Native Americans, Indians, from us until we were fully grown and could make the, the decision of whether or not to continue down the Red Road or the in Indian ways or stay in white society. And that was an advantage to us because we were raised as white kids. We didn't know the difference. So there was no prejudice against us either. When I found out, The the moment I found out from my brother that we were indigenous and and Chickamauga, there was this calm that came over me, like, ah, maybe this is what it's all about. Well, I grew up in the Rocky Mountains, and all day long, you'd find me fishing and and hunting by myself in the mountains, having a ball. I, I, I could be near a black bear. Wouldn't bother me, and I wouldn't bother it. There was that connection. Didn't know what it was. Didn't know why. But when I found out I was indigenous, there was just this calm. A lot of things that, that were troubling in my life started to make sense. And so very shortly after that, uh, I got in touch with my tribe and was received and was given my spirit name. And my earth wind is my tribal name. The Chickamauga, it's Gado Onule, which means his breath across the earth or earth wind and all of this just seemed to fall into play and evolutionary healer i i've been a people watcher all my life i wrote a book on it uh, profiling for profit what crossed arms don't tell you helping people with what i do with the cr process came from helping a person over skype i was in minneapolis at the time and the person was in australia and i got a hunch one night we weren't getting anywhere helping each other traditional method of, of Stephen ministry which is a crisis ministry and i asked her to close her eyes and, and tell me what she smelled two and about three to five hours a week over the following two and a half three months what we call repetitive behavior cellular regression was born and my life has been way different ever since very focused on on changing and saving lives all over the world
0: So it almost feels like, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost feels like you had this sort of deep ancestral background that with the awareness that this is who you are comes forward. And with that comes a whole bank of really innate knowledge about the healing process.
1: Yes. And it's all felt so natural. Yeah. So, you know, when the the door opened, when my brother said, you know, we're Indians. (laughs) Wow, yeah kind of all right this is making sense i've i've had the honor of of working with a lot of different elders from different nations of of America and getting some teachings on basic things for myself at first and I'm a helper as you know so I would use those things on other people to help them and from that what I do now worldwide is is uh, what came of it
0: Right. I know that initially when when COVID hit, there was just a lot of people in shock. And there were others of us that were just going, okay, this is normal. <laughs> I used to having my future yanked out in front of me. And there are other people who are trained for it. I just did an interview with Colonel John O'Grady from the US military. And he talks about their, how they train for these moments. So for, for a lot of people, it was it, there was no big shock. But for others, it was a huge shock and, and a, at the level of, of probable trauma. Interestingly enough, I'm also hearing about ADHD kids that are that are just kind of feeling super calm. and yet the ones that are normally putting the pressure on the ADHD ones are not are, are not calm, they're the opposite. So there is something going on that I think is kind of interesting uh, it, at the intersection of uncertainty and then losing certainty about how you work with that and how you move from those experiences into the you know exploration, resets, possibly reinvention. In your observation, what are the elements that come to the surface?
1: In the indigenous cultures, and those who believe in astronomy and those kinds of things as well, this is the age of Aquarius. Aquarius is a water. Water begets water. So there's a joining... This is, in indigenous cultures, this is the time of the nations of the world, the four nations, red, white, yellow, and black, nations to come back together as one people. So that you're seeing that right now. There's a lot of that. And uh, science is pretty well kind of abri- agreeing with this too, is this is also the time for the next level of, of human awareness. Okay? We don't know what that is yet. There's a lot of a lot of thoughts about it, but we don't know what it is yet. You know, it'd be very cool for you and I to talk to each other without opening our mouths. You know, that's, that's one possibility. There's another possibility of where fear, the need for greed or recognition will be neutralized. It just goes away. You know, if you and I don't fear each other, there's no reason for us to fight. So it's kind of interesting what's going on in society. For business, I think... Business, as usual, is gone. It's gone. There is a new shift in the way business will be conducted from the very largest corporations right down to mom and pops. Everything has changed. It's going to be more people-centric because it's going to be more dependent on people connection than it is for the, the quick buck. So this is an exciting time for us With as far as My company has a division called Consortium where we help global Fortune 1000 executives. We have teams that go in and help, um, let's say, for example, a Deutsche Bank or US Bank or anything like that. It doesn't have to be financial. Look at what's changing and when the doors open again, what's the company look like and where's it going? Changing their vision.
0: We, I think, at some point talked about sensing as as a core scale. It's certainly one that i relate to because it's it's you know, really strong with respect to understanding the context that you're working in regardless of the situation you're in what's your you know how do you see sensing as a as a as a skill set although you know it's, not, it's more innate than anything but how do you how do you see that with respect to going ahead and and visualizing the future
1: that's an excellent question dot <laughs> sensing is that intuition that gut feeling that that center I was talking about earlier. The closer you get to center, the closer you get to your natural intu- intuitions, that alarm that goes off, good or bad, to make a decision. And, you know, i in fact, I teach there are no good choices or no bad choices, simply choices. And you get to change your mind whenever you like. You know, so the, the relevance of traditional rhetoric or the vernacular of good versus bad and and all those kinds of things are slowly going to start to go away because the good versus bad or we versus they mentality worked good during the bronze age and, and worrying factions, but that's not the future.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. Very definitely not. One of the things that that I actually quite excited about, to be honest, is that uh, the the suspension of economic activities worldwide gives us a chance to redesign the entire economic system so that it no longer draws down on ecological resilience, you know, just the planet's capacity to generate for human activity, but it employs more of human ingenuity. And so instead of just taking things out and extracting them, we've got a chance to work with the wider understanding of how things work really on the planet. And I think companies can take the lead. So I'm wondering, you know, in terms of your experience with trauma, how can the trauma of an economic stop or just just everything crashing down turn into creating new strategies or ways to think about, about the role of, the, of a company in the, you know, as we move forward through this?
1: That's a really good question. You know, we're <laughs> watching uh, photographs in space on how fast the earth is resetting. And uh, it's really not going to take very long for it to be really clean again. What do we do with that? What do we get to do with that? While we're in this stop phase, we get to think as human beings what we want to see happen going on in the future. I had a conversation the other day uh, with some executives where they weren't sure if they were going to close a couple of divisions or, or what they were going to do with that. And I said, let me give you something to think about along that line. That's for the future now, not from the old ways. The old ways means close the division. Just shut the doors. No big deal. Fire the people. We'll hire some new ones when we figure out what the new one is. Maybe instead of closing the division, you change that division to something else. Keep your superstars so you don't get rid of them and have to hire new ones. Keep your superstars to start a new division and you retool like the manufacturing industry likes to use. You retool something into a new line of work or a reposition in in, uh, the Global 1000, for instance. You're a a corporation in the Global 1000. Uh, JCPenney wants to make a move on Sears. Maybe that's good, but you don't want to close off the talent that you're going to have from both of those groups when you come together. Who can you keep and the ones that, that you would normally get rid of, is there a new division or a new way to keep those people not only within the company itself, but, or in addition rather, that that new division or that new line or, or whatever that you've developed for it will keep higher employee morale, lower turnover, and uh, what we call the EBIT line, earnings before interest and taxation, a lot nicer looking for the state shareholders. So everybody's happy. You look at the concept in a different way. In manufacturing, it's real easy to close the doors and shut down. But well, maybe there's another way.
0: Well, and we have some examples of companies that have been doing it the other way. I've just started making a list after a conversation we had this morning. I mean, Bosch, Tesla, Medtronics. The distilleries, a bunch of the cosmetic companies in Europe have been you know very quickly retooled to produce ventilators and hand sanitizer and I mean wonderful examples of, of seriously adaptive agility, which I'm delighted to see do that speaks volumes to how companies can contribute.
1: Exactly. And another great example is uh, you know they've, they've found some enzymes that, that naturally breaks down plastic. So it can be recycled in a matter of hours, not years, right? Into usable new products. Well, something's got to be used to put that together. So something that would have been closed down and shut down for good can be retooled now and modified into something else. There's people that that are expanding in solar power at various different things. There's incredibly ingenious tiles you can put on the top of the, the roof of your house right now that are solar powers solar tiles and you can't tell the difference from the street only from above it's pretty amazing this stuff can happen very quickly
0: yeah and i think this is uh for me this is where human ingenuity actually you know it's been untapped for a long time because we've been in these ruts of doing the same old thing over and over again and the argument is well if i don't i won't be able to feed my family or in other words survival is based on doing anything you know, at any cost to survive. And the 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 thing I'm trying to to help people kind of work with is is what if we create new things? What if instead of just saying, well, let, let's create different ways of doing it? So, you know, I love what what you said there. And the other thing I'm noticing, and I'd like to know your take on this too, but I'm noticing there's more transparency than ever before. So some of the systemic underpinnings of decisions that are being made are now you can't run from them. They're out in the open. So. Companies that made really horrible, bad decisions about their employees, firing laid off poor employees, how they laid them off, are, in, are, are exposed. They're out in the open. So this is another chance for us to say, wow, let's rethink how we make decisions here and let's rethink how we move through the world. And I'm really deeply hoping that it's a, a shift to a higher level of ethical standards than we've seen from business. Uh, in the past. I mean, we have obviously companies that have been way out ahead in that regard, but we've also got companies that have been way, way behind. So I don't know. What do you, what do you see there?
1: I see an incredible growth. Yes, there's going to be a reset. There's going to be a recession. It could even look like a depression at some point. What we do now will short circuit that inevitable situation based on the way we used to do business and think as, as executives in this world, there is a depression coming, most definitely. However, we change our mindset to create a new paradigm. You might have a mild recession, but the depression won't make it because there will be a whole new line of industries and everything else that are booming out there. And face it, you know, those of us who own businesses, that's really the thank you we're looking for is a profitable business. We at Evolutionary Healer, we're still a business. We do change people's lives every day. And there is a thank you. We get paid, okay, because we can't do this for free. We can't just, it's just not workable. You can't build a car for free. It's just not doable. But you can make a better car out of more different types of things that works better going in the future, and keeps more people to work. The old way of doing business, the earth has stopped. Humans have stopped. And there is completely a new mind shift. And the ones who do not will not survive. And it's their choice. Not a good choice, not a bad choice, remember?
0: No, no, you can't judge the choice. But in the end, it all has an impact. And the question is, what what do you want your impact to be? Absolutely. Yeah. What what contribution do you want to make or what, uh, you know, just where does that stand? Very exciting. Thank you, Terry. Let's uh, look at the people who feel absolutely still gobsmacked by what's going on in the pandemic and their anxiety and anxious about what the future holds and what they should be doing next, given this, you know, sort of personal disruption as well as this wider disruption. Do you have any specific tips you can give people who are um Still feeling uncertain about what this all means.
1: First off, be kind to each other. A lot of answers, a lot of solutions come to the fore when people are kind and present with their with their daily actions. Yes, this is it. A lot of anxiety for people who have always done one job and it no longer exists. Panic, absolute panic. What am I going to do? Well, you're going to go into a day-to-day mode until something changes. Nothing's easy, it's worth it. So, you know, there's places where I, you see in photographs and videos every day of lines of cars outside of uh, uh, food shelves and things like that. Well, that's just the way day to day is going to be conducted until the reset begins. It's not automatic
0: no it's not and it is up to us i mean we're at a, we're at a point of choice around that how we how we do it will will determine the uh the way in which the reset takes place yeah.
1: you know the going out and hoarding all the toilet paper and all those crazy <laughs> things for a virus that attacks the lungs people still don't get that
0: <laughs> yeah it's like what happened there <laughs> and yeah. i also i also learned just this morning in a conversation that the toilet paper manufacturers did not invest the extra money to allow their equipment to be retooled quickly so if you've been making a certain kind of toilet paper and all of a sudden you don't have all the ingredients, you're stuck. You're really stuck. The the flexibility wasn't built into the, uh, to the manufacturing, uh, design, the process, no selection. So that's fascinating. (laughs) In other words, you will be eating toilet paper for a while. So if you've got a a lot of it and if you don't have it, then.
1: You know, and that's, that's the mentality of, of, of lack and negativity, yeah. and that's perpetuated. It's been perpetuated for centuries. This is not a new concept. Back when the, the Great Depression in the United States 100 years ago, the same thing happened, right? People ran on the bank, get their cash quick, and then they, they, they take off and run, run out on their landlords and everything else. That's just the way it is. Mm. That that mentality was fed by the system. Well, the system is basically stopped right now. There's a new way of creating a system that does not allow that type of thinking and working to perpetuate.
0: It's not just stopped; it's exposed, and <laughs> and, and I love that because now you you know now it's more visible. Now we can see it and go, okay, I want to work with this differently. And I, I that, I'm very excited by that. Terry, yes. anything else you'd like to add to the conversation before we close off?
1: This pandemic will end. Traditional vaccines and things like that, I'm not sure are going to do that much. One thing I am sure is the world's going to continue. We're going to continue. When your time is up, your time is up. It's just the way it is. It could be run over by a car or whatever. There was a 99-year-old World War II veteran who was also POW for three and a half years in, in Indonesia someplace, should have died. And he just got through fighting off coronavirus. I mean, that's a fighter, okay? All of us are able to do that. I believe when you give up inside here and here, then you give up. We just move forward. This is a good time. Yes, it's inconvenient, but is this is a good time for humans as a whole and for the environment and, and Earth. Because uh, we 're shifting away from use everything you can as quickly as you can to make the buck to what can I use what I have just to, to save more lives so it 's a, it's a, it's a shift it 's a big shift
0: and all Exciting. lives all lives yes. I mean you know we 're talking yes. wildlife as well we 're not just talking human lives because that 's the arrogance of the dominant species is to believe that <laughs> that this species is the only one we 're saving. But sure. in reality, you know, our presence on the earth is is has not been beneficial. So, no, we got a chance to rewrite that.
1: Yes, we do <laughs> every Terry. day.
0: Exactly, Terry. Thank you so much for being on the program. Really appreciate it, and uh, yes. look forward to seeing what happens with your work going forward.
1: Thank you very much. This is an honor. You're you're a fabulous host. Thank you so much.
0: I'm Donna Jones. I provide personal growth for business, mentoring leaders and decision makers who are really ready to adapt their awareness and inner skill set to both meet and match the complexity and speed of change. I also bring intuitive insight into decision making and leadership expansion so that collaboration can benefit from conflicting perspectives and higher trust. By embedding a healthy balance between certainty and uncertainty, growth at a personal and organizational level has a serious chance. Contact me through LinkedIn or through www.frominsighttoaction.com. And it's Donna, D A W N A.